0: Present Tense Podcast by Green Bucket Press. A word about the voice book from Green Bucket Press. The act of putting pen to paper is potent, it is essential. We write it down, whatever it is, business ideas, manifestos, plans for podcasts, thoughts about existence, lines for poems and songs, sketches and drawings. We manifest on paper. We write it down. When Greenbucket Press developed the voice book line of writing journals, there was the idea of creating a sacred space, an open landscape to be inhabited and explored. With gridded, lined, and blank paper options and a variety of sizes and shapes, the voice book is a tool, a refuge, a support, a place where you can write it down. The act of putting pen to paper is potent. The voice book by Greenbucket Press is a home place for your voice the voice book is available online at greenbucketpress.com backslash workshop write it down this is ann Markham bailey the founder of green bucket press and the host of Present Tense podcast. When I was a child, I had the great good fortune of being offered a steady diet of literature and poetry by my mother, who was an outstanding school librarian at the Altamont School. Many evenings, we sat in her study, reading poems to one another. In the poets across the world, I discovered my human tribe. In the nuance and precision of careful consideration, the poets showed me the deep waters where I would learn to swim. I am a poet. I swim in the unceasingly creative underbelly and offer the experience back to the world. I'm particularly excited about part one and two of these poet interviews. In this and the following episode, we'll hear from poets in the upcoming Magic City Poetry Festival that starts on Monday, April 3rd. I asked Magic City Poetry Festival poets to talk about why they write poems, what they see as their role as a poet, what is the role of poetry in society, what are their favorite words, and the nature of their relationship with language. In these poet voices, I once again discover my tribe and feel the poet's power to join heart and mind, to weigh and discern the music and meaning of our lives in words with one another as poets offering poems to the world. For complete information on the poets in this episode and for a schedule of the Magic City Poetry Festival, please see our website at greenbucketpress.com. And now for the episode. We first hear from Jason McCall. Jason McCall is an Alabama native, and he's currently teaching at the University of North Alabama. Jason's favorite word is neighbor, because that was the winning word in his third grade spelling bee. And Jason's always happy to tell us that he won his third grade spelling bee. He also won his second grade, Spelling Bee. Jason holds an MFA from the University of Miami, and his collections include Two-Faced God, Dear Hero, Silver, I Can Explain, and Mother Less Child. He's the co-editor of It Was Written, Poetry Inspired by Hip Hop.
1: I was attracted to poetry to begin with, uh, mostly I think through the aspect of looking at poetry as a game. There is an approach to strategy uh, with poetry. So when it came down to crafting poems, for me to begin with, um, I looked at poetry as something that was, I guess in some cases, art with a capital A, literature with a capital L. Uh, It was a little bit intimidating when I started, but the more that I got involved with it, the more that I learned from my mentors, the more books that I read. I'm called to craft poems because I enjoy the gamesmanship. I enjoy being able to take an idea and bend it and manipulate it in the poetic form. Poetry really manipulates that small gap between the sacred and the human, uh, that small gap between the known and the unknown. And I think one of the fun parts about poetry is that we get to close that distance sometimes between the familiar and the extraordinary. And sometimes we get to make those worlds touch and we get to watch the fireworks. I think for a lot of people in society, poetry works as a way to find an honest moment, whether it's poetry or protest, whether it's a love poem, whether it's a funny poem, I think in some ways, poetry becomes powerful because it speaks to some honest emotion in society. Um, Right now, poetry is having a really great moment because of a number of poets who are using social media to get their message out there. And a lot of poets today are finding ways to make the digital form. I think the power of poetry is its power to sneak into everyday life. And I think in 2018, we're starting to see a lot of great new poets. We're starting to see a lot of great new avenues for poetry to take poetry out of the realm of just a ritualistic art. And we're starting to see a lot of people respond to poetry and put poetry in their everyday life in new, in new ways. Words are always with me. And I think in some ways that helps me as a poet because I never really approach words as something that are, I never really approach words as something that's sacred. I never really approach words as something alien. Our words are always with me. Uh, When it's time to take words out of my mind and put words on paper, of course, there's always that disconnect. I never really live in a space without words, whether it's the idea of being in my own head or even the idea of just being around my own house um, In my apartment the TVs n- normally on um, I normally have something going on in the background whether it's television whether it's music so words are all around me So I always feel close to him from my new full-length collection two-faced god that was published by word tech editions at the end of last year at the end of 2017 and the title two-faced god refers in part to the Roman god Janus. And we know the Roman god Janus as the god of beginnings and endings. He's also the god of doors. And the fun thing about Janus is, depending on the research you read, either Janus was a really important god or Janus was just a very practical god. When we read a lot of the old Roman Treaties when we read a lot of the old Roman prayers Janus is named first. He's named before Jupiter. He's named before Venus. He's named before Hercules So some scholars think of Janus as a cosmic God. That's even more powerful than Jupiter that's even more powerful than Hercules That's even more powerful than Mars Because he's named first in these sacred documents however other people think of Janus as a purely practical God the Romans were practical people Janus was the God of being first Janus was the God of beginnings so some people say that Janus was named first in a lot of these sacred documents only because he was the God of being first it had nothing to do with his power it had nothing to do with his influence it only had to do with the fact that the God of being first has to be named first so I like that idea of the false nature of beginnings and endings, and that's really one of the big themes in my book. Uh, When I look at Two-Faced God, I really focus on my personal history of growing up in Montgomery, Alabama, and how my personal history intersects with communal history, intersects with national histories. Um, In some ways, this book Two-Faced God was inspired by my 10-year high school reunion that was supposed to happen a few years back. And whenever someone mentions the idea of a reunion of course the idea of history comes up and It really caused me to think about what parts of my history were real. What parts of my history were imagined and If there really was a such thing as a beginning and ending when it came down to personal histories or communal histories Um, and again the title of this poem is January and most people know this but on the original Roman calendar January was not the beginning of the year. Uh, the year began with March. Um, so today we think of January as the beginning. We think of it as a time for New Year's resolutions. But originally, the month that's named for the God of Beginnings was not the beginning. So here's my poem, January. Does it feel like the beginning of something new? Yesterday stale in your mouth? Morning breath of car bombs and platitudes. But the world is still dying. Another inch of snow and another inch of waistline. And you thought you could leave this behind because you tore a calendar off your wall. Because you were brave enough to look at a phone number and press delete. Step outside. Step on the scales. Do butterflies own this world? Is that a new face you see in the microwave door? This is the season of the two-faced God. Don't believe his promises. Don't let him palm your dreams like a trick coin.
0: We went to Putnam Middle School and interviewed some of the all-star poets. Putnam is part of the Woodlawn Writers' Corps, a collective of 2nd, 3rd, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders at Oliver Elementary, Avondale Elementary, and Putnam Middle. The students in the Corps meet weekly throughout the school year for poetry workshops during which they explore how poetry and language intersect with history, science, math, and the arts. The writing workshops are designed to be challenging and fun, with the main goal of strengthening the students' writing skills, intensifying their intellectual habits, and giving them the creative tools they need to explore and document their worlds. At the end of each year, the Desert Island Supply Company in Birmingham publishes a book of student poems. All proceeds from book sales go towards sustaining the Woodlawn Writers' Corps. These books can be ordered online at www.discobham.com. That's D-I-S-C-O-B-H-A-M.com.
2: My name is Janelle Congress, and I like poetry because it's just, it gives you a sense to be yourself, and you can express yourself in any way you like to. And nobody can tell you anything about your poetry is wrong. You can just tell how you feel. Um, the name of my poem is called Emptiness. It says, Your only way out has been blackened, the window shut and locked. The blinds put down, the curtains closed, the little ray of light that you long for is gone. You can't see two feet in front of you, an empty
0: room full of emptiness. Thank you. And so what is your favorite word of the moment? Um,
2: Optimism. It's just good to always have a sense of optimism and be optimistic about life.
3: My name is Brianna Rao. And why I think poetry is powerful to me is because you can express yourself in different ways and a lot of people don't like to express how they feel cuz some people are antisocial but writing is a way for you to really express yourself cuz it's not that you have to show anybody but it's something you can keep to yourself and you don't really have to you know let it out to the world things like that and my favorite word is unique because it lets me know that not everybody's the same and nobody can really judge people because we're all different and we all have different emotions and stuff so and the poem I'm gonna be reading is called love love is happiness it does what it wants you have to find it although I don't mind it I never follow it I never chase it I am love love is me I am the shadow of love that no one can see it chooses to be free I'll just sit here waiting for you to come find me
4: Kiana Johnson I like to write and I like to read and being a poet is it means a lot to me because in my words I can express how I feel right now I would say my favorite word is beautiful because every morning I would go mom say She reminds me that I'm beautiful, and no matter what people tell me, you know, I'm beautiful on the inside and out. And I just, I like that word a lot. The title of this poem is Shattered. Broken glass, frozen in time, silence freezes the horror. Little kids screaming their heads off, one child's life has been shattered. The fragile soul of the child has been released into the wind. The deadly spirit is like Samara's wishes, busted... Busted windows are criminals taking away the happy memories of the past. A piece of glass stuck in the brain, leakiness intelligence, broken glass shot at the fragile heart.
2: Brianna Grayson. I just feel like poetry is a good way to show how you feel and it can help a lot of people in different situations because the way you feel can help somebody else in a the situation they're in. So, kawaii. Um, it means cute in Japanese and I just like the way it sounds. It's called deaf note. <laughs> so,
5: mm-hmm.
2: um, is deaf a fear or a freedom to someone that you love When they let go. Cause you say you love me, but if I love you, let you go. No, I think not. My heart is salty like my tears you gave me. Freedom to you is like a fear to me and death to me. Selfish maybe, but those, but does that mean that I don't love you? No. It means I love you, which is why I can't let you go. Can't let go, Will, of the thought of you and I. Not as close as we were together, as we are apart. Then, love from another feels like the night with no moon. Adesha
5: Baker. Well, I don't have a favorite word. It's actually basically two words, but it's they say it. Because people always have to say something when they can just keep it to yourself. And people try to tell you how to live your life and tell you what you can and cannot do. So I always put they say Because it's the way that I can express my feelings, because there's lots of things that I don't want to say. So I just express my feelings in poetry because it's the easier way that I can say things that I need to say. My first poem is called They Say. They say if you have pride, you belong six feet under. They say life is a glow, but what happened to my glow? They say LGBT is a curse, but it's my cure. They say money is magic, but I don't care. They say it's bad to hold anger in, but I can't get it out. They say love gets broken hearts, but I love my broken hearts. They say, they say, they say.
0: Ashley M. Jones is a poet and teacher from Birmingham, Alabama. When I asked Ashley if she has a favorite place to write, she said she loves to write anywhere. And when I asked her if she has a favorite word, she told me that her favorite
6: word right now is yes. Um, I began keeping a spy journal When I was eight years old and all through elementary school we had to write books in different genres. Um, I went to Epic Elementary and the way they taught there you know it's very creative um, and arts oriented so we always had to write books but when I was eight I read the book Harriet the Spy and then the movie came out shortly thereafter and so I kept a spy journal and in that journal there's little entries where I would spy on my family but also there were there were poems Um, And they weren't, you know, the best poems in the world. They were eight-year-old poems, but there was rhyme in them. There was, um, you know, things about my life. Um, I was a very angsty eight-year-old, so I had a lot of nobody understands me poems. Um, But that's kind of how I began. And as I grew older, um, I eventually attended the Alabama School of Fine Arts, and I started studying poetry more seriously. Um, And I discovered other poets, um, like Rita Dove, Um, Kevin Young, Lucille Clifton, um, people who used poetry to uh, express their personal histories and to represent um, their culture, and I wanted to be a part of that. I think most people think poetry is something purely academic or for a specific um, sect of people, um, but that's just not true. I think poetry has the power to connect all kinds of people. It has the power to um, to give people an outlet. Um, I teach poetry to high school students um, and college students sometimes too. And I find that when they're able to write a poem of their own, um, they can express parts of themselves that maybe they can't in other ways. Um, So it can empower you um, in that way. But it also, like I said, has the power to connect. So when I read a poem about um, my parents... Painting a Santa Claus black, um, people connect that. They think, oh, you know, I had this tradition when I was young, or maybe with my kids, I'll, you know, focus on their culture in this way. It bridges people together um, in a way that some other art forms don't. It also has the power to be a mirror to society. Um, When we study literature in school, we're often looking at the times in which it was written um, and I think that's still true for poets writing today. We're writing what's happening now so that people in the future can see how it really was, but also so people who live here now can examine what's going on in their society. I've always had an interesting relationship with words. Since I was little, I would always um, be fascinated with reading, um, correcting people on their grammar, um, And now I just kind of like the way that words can illustrate what I'm feeling or something that I've seen. Um, That's another reason why I love writing poetry so much is that it's able to sort of take a snapshot of a moment or of an emotion in a way that prose, at least for me, just doesn't do. Um, So for me, when I look at words or when I think about words, I see infinite possibilities, um, infinite pictures that can be painted, um, and infinite ways to express what I'm feeling. So the poem that I have chosen is a poem that appeared in this year's, um, this season's rather issue of Talking River um, Journal. And it's about Harriet Winslow. And it's also about my own mom. Um, And this poem came about, it's a Sestina. It came about because I was watching Family Matters because that's something I like to do is watch old TV. Um, And I saw um, a scene. In an early season of Family Matters where the mother, Harriet, and her sister, Rachel, were cleaning the collard greens. And I thought to myself, this is a really authentically black moment. I really want to write about it. And so I did. Harriet Winslow and Aunt Rachel clean collard greens on primetime television. In their dollhouse kitchen, they clean a bouquet of collards while the comedy of errors unfolds around them. Harriet in her pantsuit and that black mother smirk that signals the hard love only a mother can muster. This holy kitchen culinary sanctuary covers them in light. It's white glory a bouquet around their perfect hair. Their fingers know no errors as they pick and place the collards. There was an earthy magic in my mother cleaning collards, their mineral scent, the sink full of water my mother plunged them into, the water which washed them of their errors, greens baptized, clean from sediment and rock, our kitchen sink, her pulpit, the leafy bouquet, her holy book, how we wished we could be them. Touched by our mother's godly hands. Then cleaned so well, we forgot they were just collards. They glistened. A sparkling bouquet of dinner yet to come. So loved by our mother, that even they forgot their natural bitterness. A kitchen is sweetened when collards are cooking. The air a swelling pork fat perfume, the onions' pungent terror nulled by the ribboned greens. I loved to watch my mother cut them, roll the piles of flat foliage up like a cigar, the kitchen knife shining against a tight army of collards. We needed no superheroes when we had her, a mother to rival every black mom on cable No fragrant bouquet could rival the smell of her greens and cornbread, the bouquet of cotton swabs and peroxide she'd use to sanitize our playground errors. She was a magician, more than just another mother. She could turn an afro into a constellation of braids, adorn them with a galaxy of beads. She could turn a sprawling batch of collards into a smooth and savory feast, a world exploding in her small kitchen. Someday, mother, I will inherit that sweet bouquet of cocoa butter, blue magic, kitchen smoke and calm night air, the perfume of black motherhood. One day I will learn how to cook them collards.
0: Chantika Latrice Curry is a griot, a storytelling goddess using words and experiences to shape her personal universe into a self contained utopia of weirdos, hoping to change the world one poem at a time, one person at a time. She has published two collections of poetry Love Hard, Live Free, Conversations with She and honeysuckle lyrics and can be found within the local community creating platforms and opportunities of change through social and creative expression
7: okay so for years coming into um my craft i i struggled with calling myself a poet or um I struggled between knowing that spoken word and being a poet, a spoken word artist and being a poet were basically essentially the same thing. With that, I found that there is no difference. I stopped saying that I was a spoken word artist and basically started saying that I was a poet. And that was simply because I found that what i was writing was poetry however the medium that i decided to express it was through spoken word and i found my voice in poetry being a poet having the ability to express myself or express what is written on paper exactly as it's been written out loud and a lot of people um struggle with that. A part of my uniqueness that I no longer struggle or I found an excellent way to express my struggle with that. so yeah, I remember t- returning home from school and um, at school I was a part of a poetry society, but it wasn't um, it wasn't a poetry society that welcomed I left school, nevertheless, came home, and I found that here there was this huge spoken word community that was, like, underground. And I was like, okay, I could still go to these literary events that they were having at UAB and Birmingham Southern, but there was this real small underground, underlining spoken word community that kind of scoffed at traditional literary poetry, and it just tickled me. Like, it tickled me pink. (laughs) So I was like, wow. So I found myself going to these events at um, 22nd Jazz Cafe, um, the High Note, um, a couple of other bookstores. And I was like, wow. Like, this is amazing. But in that amazement, I found that the poems that I had been crafting all at school and had been putting together had a home, like even if they weren't going to be traditionally accepted, um, I had somewhere to share them and possibly get positive feedback to recraft them and make them into something that I did not mind saying out loud and that was just amazing. Um, And I found that having the ability to say what it is that you feel in any moment at any given time without someone saying, hey, you know, correct that or or maybe you can change that. Um, I found that that's the power that poets and poetry and words have within the world itself. Um, being a poet and... Just sharing your words and your thoughts and your understanding gives a voice to someone who may never ever be able to express what it is that they're thinking. And then they'll sit in an audience and here comes a poet on stage and says exactly what they were thinking in that exact moment that's relevant to their situation and it's like a light bulb goes off for them if there was a real understanding of the power that poetry has and the voices of the people the power that we had a lot of things in society would totally change um we would definitely be um a community that supported the arts or a world that doesn't look at art as a um elective like it would be a requirement It would be just as necessary as math and science, art, writing, the ability to write, how to craft a perfect sentence. And I think that even even myself when I was in elementary school and high school, and I was like, why do I have to take grammar? But then by the time I got in high school, I was like, I actually like this. Like, I actually like having the ability To write out a sentence, and people be like, "She just asked for one sentence." Like, okay, you write your sentence the way that you write your sentence, and I write mine the way that I write mine, and that's the beauty of it. Um, Yeah, that's the beauty of poetry and the beautiful effects that we can have on a community and the world as a whole when we recognize that there is there is beauty in the way that you craft what you say and how you approach it and is how we say a word and the energy and the level of intensity that we have behind it because a lot of people Um, this society is driven by what is said, what is being said right now today, what is being said, a lot of things that is being said on TV and through the media is, is being said with the intent of someone being honest. But in your honesty, you're being malicious, not realizing that your subconscious is basically speaking for you. And I think that's a relationship that even a lot of people don't have with themselves, but as poets, we're required. And I I use required loosely because I don't think that we come into that understanding that it's a requirement until years of being in it. That it's a requirement that we have as poets, as voices of the people, as visionaries, as creators of new worlds to understand the energy that we put behind the words that we use. Um, We think she crazy. Her fro, fist pump tight, lazy even for not wearing pantyhose and tights with the right type of skirt. She should have pressed her shirt, we say to ourselves. Over impressed with her inability to be presentable in public, she's disheveled on the outside. She doesn't see the benefits of kneeling skirts, pressed shirts, and combed hair. Her brain doesn't tell her to stare and murmur about the differences noticed in others. She's unaware we're supposed to judge each other. We're supposed to look a certain way, not supposed to say certain things, talk to certain people. She lacks color comparison. Believing in spirits, she sees in grayscale, the removed from inclusion. She dwells in the depths of exclusion because internally, she's perfected in a way that when God says walk, she runs. When God says speak, she yells. And when God says, be quiet, she dances all over your middle-class bourgeoisie traditions and spit spirituality on the comprehension lacking understanding. She is Voudon, the beginning of divinity, the relationship you won't see. The Yehovah Shalom to Ma'ugon, she is the crescent, balancing the scales being a midwife to daybreak. Keep pushing, she said. Find me in between the lines of scripted text written to open your psyche. I am freedom. The eightfold will stopping time in meditation. A few more deep breaths. All this left is the birth, the manifestation. Dreams incubated in a womb, afraid of becoming a tomb because you have been there too long. There, in that place, that place has become a dumping ground for the insecure. You are the new waste manager. They are laying at your feet, so you got to get around them. Keep pushing. Feel the laventa against your skin. Allow your senses to smell the scent of delayed deliveries, a once rumbling ocean of waves beating currents against your womb. Your journey has been delayed, but it is not over. There is something in this wasteland you need to leave, beliefs that no longer suit you ideals you can't convince yourself to be true. Purge these attachments, your lack of commitments. Feed your mind with the illusion of greatness. Quench the thirst of your eyes with images of elevation. Savor the announcing of your schedule. Just arrive. Arise, she said. You have got to keep pushing. Your front line is a hashtagging crew that should be used as your shield because you can't obtain what you criticize. You can't defeat what you haven't embraced. You can't seek a world that you haven't already located within yourself. We think she is crazy, but she has tapped her calling and purposed her walk, for to know her is to create a life that goes against the grain. She is that from which living water flows. Mastering unqualified love, kissing kindred with words of healing, securing your future in the womb of a queen capable of birthing daybreak, but we think she is crazy.
0: When I asked poet Alina Stefanescu for her bio, she wrote, Alina plays alphabet games with her kids and writes about the world she wants to inhabit. She exists online at www.alinastefanescu.com or at Aliner, A-L-I-N-E-R.
8: I do identify as a poet. I think that um, I've written poetry since I was a child and I often found that the place where people were most honest on the page was um, in a poem and because it didn't demand the same sort of logical progression or the same sort of linearity that we see in conventional prose. Uh, The poem's argument is metaphysical as well as Um, logical and so i think that there's a lot of freedom in that i uh, started writing poems after my kids were born and i stopped nursing and i looked at the world around me and was surprised to find that i couldn't express what i saw except in um, poetic forms there was no one to talk to about the things that i wanted to talk about uh, a lot of my friends and people that I love dearly wanted to talk about uh, diets and cooking and what we were making for dinner and how to make husbands happy and how to have the maximum possible uh, comfortable life in the patriarchy without feeling like you're part of it. And my awareness of the ways in which I compromised really led me towards uh writing by myself poems and i wrote and i wrote and i wrote and then one day i was ready to read them the power of poetry in society is profound i was born in romania where the people who were put in prison were poets Uh, the only people who were dedicated enough to truth more dedicated to truth than to politics or to position were the poets they're ultimately their allegiance was to their poetic muse. And so they would write about Ceaușescu, they would write about the lies of um, Romanian communism, and they would be put in prison, uh, or they would be put in the hospital, because clearly anyone who questions the dictator is crazy and needs to be treated as such. So a lot of the the resistance to lies took place through poetry. They reclaimed the language. Uh, Polish poet, Czeslaw Milosz, who eventually wrote from exile in the US said his primary muse was memory. And his book, The Captive Mind, which talks about how so many nice ordinary people essentially sold out and became part of the system of oppression, which was communism in Poland. That poem he says originated in prayer. And in a sense, what I've learned um, and where I come to poetry is from this space in which a poet was something a poem was something that you whispered at home and you kept it secret it was history it was the resistance it was something you memorized and passed along in my home my Romanian Alabamian home my parents if everyone had a little too much to drink someone would stand up and recite a poem from Romania and in Romanian so my first encounter with poetry is in Romanian poetry and in the Romanian language, which is a very warm language, very passionate language, lots of hand gestures when people speak. And I think what I have gotten from uh, Romanian poetry and from Eastern European poetry and poets who write under dictatorships where there is no free speech is this very subtle uh, active witness that doesn't expect to change things. Um, it's just a sort of meditation on what is seen and a desire to tell the truth. What I've gotten from America on the other side is comes from the freedom of speech to be angry and to demand uh, change. And I don't see that much in a lot of the lyrical poets like Akhmatova, uh, even Charles Simic, which, who is largely American, but before that was Yugoslavian, um... I don't see people writing in secret codes to handle the terror of the times. Here we, in America, we really have the ability to write as intense a poem as we want. And um, I think that I'm grateful for that. And I participate in it. So the words that are most intimate to me are probably Romanian. Those were the words that we used in our house. Those were the safe words. When I was using English, I was at school, I was performing the role of a good American. I was trying to fit into Southern culture. Um, Whereas at home, all of the Romanian words were the words of love, affection. They were the words I could trust. They didn't have two meanings. They were, um, I guess, the carriers of truth. And when I hear someone say Alina, the way you say it in Romanian, rather than Alina, I'm something in me just softens. It's like my mother's voice is calling me. Alina in Romanian means to caress. And it sounds like a caress. Here in English, my name Alina is harder and more professional almost. It has that American edge to it. Um, so... I think my interest in language is not just in sound, but also in the uh, connotations of native tongues and what that means for different people, whether it's an accent or an actual word. As a poet, if I were to craft a story of origin or describe the things that I know as a poet, it would start with one word, and that word is dor, which in Romanian means longing and it's a unsatisfied but grateful longing. It's a enchanted longing. It's similar to the Portuguese saudade, and it's a longing that you want to continue. I think in poetry, one of the most incredible emotions of hope um, that you can voice is this longing. And I think so much poetry, so much of my poetry at least, is just undercut with various forms of longing. Uh, no matter what the tone of the poem is, there's always this longing underneath for our, the world to be made whole, for it to return to some original condition of wholeness. So the poem I'm going to read is called "Cosmology One," and it's gonna, it's published in Exit Seven, uh, which I think is going to be coming out at AWP this year uh, in the spring 2017 issue. And yeah, "Cosmology One," Charles Simic says the old godheads are dead. From here to eternity, we must create our own cosmologies as we lie in bed at night. I hope insomnia leaves the world richer. My cosmology includes the stories mom told me in Romanian, the rilke read between slurps of cabbage soup, the boys who tucked me in, the tape cassette, Of Chopin's nocturnes, skein of leftover toothpaste. How many of us know our place by the particular traffic of plastic neon stars across the ceiling? I painted my room dark blue in high school, no color, felt deep enough. A cosmos must include the things coming to get me. The car crash, silent cancer, a plague of locusts, the terribly handsome prince, his tortured steed. One day, I will be old enough to marvel without terror. One day, all those crazy stars will come unstuck.
0: This is Anne Bailey with Present Tense Podcast by Green Bucket Press. Please subscribe to our show and rate us on iTunes. Or wherever you listen to podcasts. Deep appreciation to the poets in this episode Jason McCall, Ashley Jones, Shantika Curry, Alina Stefanescu Coriel, and the Putnam All Star Poets Janelle Congress, Brianna Rowell, Keona Johnson, Brianna Grayson, and Adesia Baker. Special thanks to Ashley Jones and Alina Stefanescu Coriel for co-founding the Magic City Poetry Festival in Birmingham, Alabama and to Penn America for financial support. Thanks to cellist Craig Hultgren for our introductory theme music. Listen next week for the second part of the Magic City Poetry Festival poet interviews. Check out the schedule, bios and poet picks at www.greenbucketpress.com Your purchase of Green Bucket Press journals, print products, and merch helps us create this and other episodes. And until next time, remember to use your authentic voice.